0: Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, I'm so pleased to have as our in-studio guest, uh, Dr. Javier Lozano, Director of International Affairs at the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio, Texas. Dr. Lozano, thank you for coming on the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate
0: it. You know, uh, when we first met, we met at like 4 in the morning at the Philadelphia International Airport. Uh, We were in, in the TSA line, and we struck up a conversation. And I immediately said, I have to have this gentleman on my program because you have spent your career talking about leadership, talking about change management, talking about building collaborative teams. So I'm so pleased to have you on the program. But before we jump into the program at the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio, Texas, can you share with our audience uh, some of the highlights of your education, career, and experience?
1: Yes, I'll be glad to do so. I first started at uh, St. Mary's University in 1998 and immediately I really uh, was attracted to business and working with people and uh, looking at different ways that we can improve not only ourselves but processes. So that led me into pursuing my education and I received a a Master's of Business Administration concentration in international business and then followed that up with my Doctorate in International Education and Entrepreneurship. Those two experiences led me to not only further my education, but also um, have a a better knowledge and understanding of the different concepts that uh, revolve around our each and everyday life, not only in business, uh, not only in management, but also personal lives as well.
0: And so, at your program there, uh, at the University of the Incarnate Word in, in, in San Antonio, before before we talk about the program, the significance of the Incarnate Word, this particular university. Tell us a little bit about the specialness of this university.
1: Yes, uh, University of the Incarnate Word is very special in that it was founded by. speaking of international. It was founded by. Uh, the Sisters of Charity, and in fact Bishop de Bouy uh, back in the day called upon the Sisters to come over uh, from France, uh, which they did. They were having an issue uh, with uh, the folks folks here in Texas. There was a huge cholera epidemic, and they traveled all the way from Paris to uh, serve the local community here in San Antonio. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of uh, people did not make the did not make it, and were and passed away. So the sisters found a need to um, to educate the, the the young kids left behind as their parents uh, died. And it's amazing the story because not only did they develop the uh, grade school system, but eventually a college which eventually came, became a university and today the university has various uh, professional health programs and the very most recent one is the School of Osteopathic Medicine um, in addition to nursing, physical therapy, optometry and so on and so forth. The university is founded on uh, providing access to all those who want uh, to improve their lives through higher education and because of that, uh, we're not only changing the demographics of professional, uh, professionals here in Texas, but all throughout the nation, as we are one of the uh, uh, universities with a, with a high Hispanic and also first-generation population. So it's a very special university, and that continues to implement the mission of serving uh, not only our uh, uh, domestic community, but also international as
0: well. Well, I tell you, that is very, very special. And uh, when I look up the word incarnate, it talks about, uh, especially of a deity or spirit embodied in flesh and human form. And the work that... uh, you and your colleagues are doing there at the University of the Incarnate is extremely very special I want to applaud your efforts there let's talk about the key components of your program there uh, when you talk about servant leadership and you talk about change management Uh, what is some of the what is tell us about the program and the key components of it
1: yes the, the program itself that I teach in is the professional studies program. And this too, like the university, is a very special program in that it is geared towards uh, non-traditional students, meaning that these students, um, at one point in their uh, younger lives, they uh, transferred uh, right into their careers and from there uh, started developing their careers Uh, and at some point in their lives uh, decided to come to the university come back to the university and fulfill their graduate uh, studies which is uh, really great for me because it allows me the opportunity to interact with professionals in not only in the San Antonio area but also other areas surrounding the city. I have had students that uh, travel in from uh, as far as Austin and Dallas and so on and so forth to attend classes, graduate level classes. So, with this in mind, uh, the classes is literally a a, a great a great um, environment where we have several managers and key directors in various um, fields that are sharing their experiences of change management.
0: Change management is uh, quite a, uh, a challenging topic since the beginning of time uh, especially in biz- in businesses. Uh, what are some of the key components of your change management uh, courses? Is it one course? Is it multiple courses?
1: Yes, it's several courses. I think the topic is embedded in All throughout the graduate level uh, courses uh, to be very honest with you and one of the things when you and I were talking from the very beginning and I think uh, this comes up in several conversations is the in my opinion the main concept is is purpose and in my mind when I see Uh, change management, I see an umbrella, and the top of the umbrella has two words, purpose and why. And with change management, in my opinion, we have to look at what's our purpose and why are we implementing this change. And from there, if we can imagine underneath the umbrella, there are several key concepts that lead to those two key terms, purpose and why and with change management in order to be successful we we have to really increase our abilities to listen to our colleagues uh to be adaptive um ever every day the 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 term and the practice of implementing emotional intelligence is just the value has increased tremendously there's so much information, so many different moving parts, if you will, within an organization that uh, we really, as people and as humans, we have to be aware of what those changes uh, do to our emotional well being and how that affects our decisions, which ultimately lead to why we are implementing these changes. With that, it- uh,
0: go ahead. No, no. I was going to ask you what. What are some of those key best practices that management have to employ to have a successful change management program?
1: Yes, I think having a very clear, clear strategy and end objective is one of those. That's for me. That's key. So having that skill set of not only developing that strategy and having an A to Z type of plan, but really articulating. That's another skill set. Being able to articulate the objective of a change management strategy uh, and effectively being able to influence those uh, around you so that in purest of its forms, is so everyone's on the same page.
0: You know, interesting, you should mention having a clear strategy. Uh, One of the areas of challenge but opportunity that I find in my consulting practice uh, at Gunter Media Group is the CEO has the strategy in his or her head and it's not in writing and the company drifts in your practice what is some of the tips that you can provide to a CEO or even to someone who reports into a CEO of trying to get them to understand that if we're going to have effective change management we need to have an effective strategic plan what advice would you give to those who are reporting into a CEO Uh, who are struggling with getting a formal written strategic document in place
1: that's a great question because I also um, address that sometimes challenge uh, within uh, my organization and I think it's from what uh, you're sharing with me this is this is common and one of the tips I would suggest is have um, a follow-up and make that so having follow up but make the, embed that in your being meaning that the we we all have a brand and you know when we when others speak of us or we are presenting ourselves we are presenting ourselves so we have to really embed that follow up in our brand in our everyday action and by following up you can you know forward your talking points to your supervisor to your CEO and um, having continuous discussions on how those talking points affect the overall objective.
0: Now does change management only apply to large organizations or is change management something that all size organizations from a one-man shop up to a 10,000 FTE employee size company
1: oh I think I think change management applies to any type of organization and even uh, with oneself if if you if someone is an entrepreneur and they're starting out um, they too have to have a strategy on how to change their Approach or their marketing and so on and so forth. Um, it it, in my opinion, it applies uh, to each and every uh, spectrum of the size of business. And I think that the more the larger the business is, the more complex the change management uh, strategy is. However, if we look at the basics of those of a of an effective management strategy we can always go back to the basic building blocks if you will. Every house has a foundation. Um, I hope I'm still correct in saying that but now in days with technology you never know what the differences are but for the most part in my mind every house is, has a foundation and that's the way I look at change management. There are some key uh, components within uh, effectively leading change that we can always go back to, and more than likely, when there are uh, deficiencies in change management and when the objectives are not completely met or uh, not met at all, we can go back and identify where those key concepts were not fully addressed or implemented.
0: So that makes all the sense in the world. What you're suggesting is that, the change management needs to be a, a plan whether you're using a spreadsheet, whether you're using a Gantt chart, there needs to be an overview of the activity and actions, who's going to do what in time frames, and then also for you to come back and reflect on it on a regular basis to ask the question, how are we doing? Absolutely. is there is there a particular tool that you recommend to folks project management tool that you recommend to help folks to keep track of all of these moving parts
1: yes what I recommend is uh, there's this one textbook that I really uh, not only enjoyed reading but this was probably one of the best classes that um, I ever had the pleasure of. Uh, implementing and experiencing with my fellow students and it's by James Pershing and it's the title is handbook of human Performance Technology uh, within this book they list in detail it's a it looks pretty intimidating because it is a heavy book but the it goes so smoothly in that it the author did a beautiful job of outlining step by step what these key concepts are and as you refer to, having the technology which uh, broadens the definition. We often think of technology as something uh, objective and uh, you know something that's flickering lights or so on and so forth. But technology can include Excel spreadsheets or any types of, uh, of print materials um, or even simple outline, that's part of technology that humans uh, can use, employees can use, managers, CEOs can use in order to stay on track.
0: Again, the could you give us the author's name and the name of the textbook one more time?
1: Yes, the author's name is James A. Pershing, and that's P E R S H I N G. and the title of the book is handbook of human
0: performance technology very nice ladies and gentlemen we are here with doctor Javier E Lozano PhD who is with the international education entrepreneurship program at the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio Texas and we're talking about leadership we're talking about change management and also now we're going to talk about collaborative learning so collaborative learning is this a new technique or has this been around tell us about collaborative learning
1: yes collaborative learning I in my opinion I think it's it's fairly new uh, in comparison to other uh, formats of teaching where traditionally and this is the way uh, I was taught in grade school and going into high school in St. Mary's, where the professor, uh, you know, stood up in front of the classroom and started delivering the lectures, which is um, nothing wrong with that. It was very interesting. But today's, with today's uh, dynamic uh, environment in that we are constantly being fed information, not only by our, maybe some of us have two cell phones and we may have a computer in front of us, and we may be listening to um, the radio on our on our device, on another device. So, collaborative learning is is more important, in, in my opinion, in today's uh, world and in how we communicate, because of so much information being bounced around, and in what I implement in my uh, teaching. Environment is having opening up the conversation and by engaging uh, the, the people in the room the students in the room with uh, not only questions and uh, examples uh, even some role-playing here and there uh, I introduce also videos uh, TED TED talks are a huge uh, huge part of my teaching techniques and all of this really reflects the dynamic world that we're living in today. Uh, in my opinion, if in nowadays, if I were to lecture and I and I test this out theory out myself in a couple of my classrooms, if I were to go up and present a two and a half hour presentation with you know a couple fifteen minute breaks in between, I can almost guarantee you there's a low percentage of that that information being absorbed and really being embedded in, in, the, in the transfer of knowledge. With collaborative learning, and being active, actively engaged with the class, and actively sharing stories, and relating it to the text, it, it really feels like a conversation. And that is something that I found to be very, uh, very advantageous uh, in today's learning environment and I, I've, um, I've had a lot of great responses and feedback from my students. They keep on saying that, um, you know, it didn't feel like class. It felt like getting together with um, other managers and discussing real, live topics. And it's something that, um, to them, it may be new, but to me, it's something that's really effective uh, in, today's, in today's learning environment.
0: If you could, could you give us a before and after? Because I'm very intrigued by what you what you have said that your students say it's like a conversation versus uh, a lecture. How do you prepare yourself as the as the prof for the class and to engage them into a a conversation?
1: That's a you know that's a really great question. I think you 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 hit the the nail, run the head, because I've been. Uh, this has been a work in progress, and from the very beginning, just like any change management uh, practice, we have to establish trust, and that's the key thing in the first classroom. A lot, some students come in um, intimidated by a graduate level class; and then maybe it's their first time back in the university setting for several years, so they're intimidated. I immediately uh, try to uh, reduce that level of fear by not only being personable, so that's key, but also addressing that fear from the very beginning and uh, assuring them that it is uh, the environment that we're gonna be creating is a conversation, conversational type environment and I assured them that, they, uh, that the class is going to not only be uh, very interesting but fun. And by creating this environment and by introducing uh, real life examples um, for, for this collaborative learning environment, I think that's when they really buy in. Uh, The one other key aspect of maintaining a collaborative learning environment is as a professor or a lead uh, change agent, we have to come to terms that there may not be a very strict protocol throughout the class, meaning we have to release our own fears of saying, well, what if the class gets out of control? Um, and you know, as pro, uh, pro, uh, professionals and professors that try to maintain and restrict that flow of ideas because of that fear of loss of of classroom management, sometimes that restricts that really open flow of conversations. But I think if the the... The topics are, are serious, the conversations are light, and the objectives of listening to experienced uh, students and listening um, about their experiences with, the, with a topic, it, it really is a, uh, a really great thing to experience. So I would go back on those concepts just to recap. I would say from the very beginning, creating that environment, making sure that everyone feels safe um, about talking and expressing their ideas, and letting them know that you know the authors have written these materials a couple of years ago at best. So things change, and they are the ones who are living the the next best thing and the next best um, practice. So we really
0: need to come together in order to share our experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're you're in your classroom, do you ever put them in role play situations where uh they're broken into teams and they're and they're imp- they're trying to implement uh, change management and have them go through a role play. Have have you experimented with role playing these 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 uh, concepts and themes in your classroom
1: I have In because the managers know that this type of experience helped them in their career. And oftentimes, I hear feedback from certain students that, you know, that almost exactly what occurred last week in my, in my meeting, my manager, and I've learned so much just by, by implementing this exercise. So that's really positive feedback, that's something that. I like to implement because of
0: that feedback and because of what it does, actively communicate and assessing somebody. That is excellent. Dr. Lozano, believe it or not, we are at the end of our program, and this has been so good. we got to have you back on the program to discuss these topics even further. But before we go, um, if you could... Uh, if you could take the next you 30-45 know, seconds to share uh, with our audience your thoughts about what makes a great leader.
1: Thank you so much and um, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for this opportunity to my thoughts on a never-growing topic, but my final thoughts on being a great leader and maybe positive Having the hope cannot be afraid to fail uh, we cannot be afraid to try something our world is it's in on really hyperdrive right now there are so many changes occurring as we speak uh, and that's a uh, that's a good thing it, it is what it is as we say it, right but as leaders we have to have that confidence and We cannot be afraid of failure and we we should be hoping to succeed each and every step and there are there are plenty of tools and plenty of mentors that we can reach out to in order to help us out
0: well that is excellent advice sir very excellent advice ladies and gentlemen we are here with dr javier lozano Ph.D. Director of International Affairs at the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio, Texas. Dr. Lozano, I want to thank you for your time today and those words of wisdom. Thank you so
1: much. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: You're very welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this weekend on Leadership with Darrell Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM and Seton Hall University. And remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.